now. So am I. Tight. That's so funny. That's, that's, I believe the kids call that a coincidence. Oh, funny to run into you here. Wow, fancy meeting you here. Been a while. Do you come here often? What are you doing here? <laughs> oh, no. I need to rewatch Bojack so bad. Uh, All right. You can three, do your countdown. Two. I wasn't going to. I just assumed it was coming at this point. Uh, 69, Hey, welcome back to the Packy Run podcast. I am your host. Um, can't think of anything funny to say. I'm AJ. And I am. We didn't wait four weeks to put out another episode. Instead, it's three weeks. Mayot. <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting there. It's been, <laughs> we've been on a journey. Yes. Um, I got the good old uh, beer virus. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> so even we are a podcast of both people getting COVID. We've we've both gotten it. We've uh you got it after you got vaccinated though. I uh I I got it before the, the good old Moderna crew was a thing. So whatever that means, you should probably still go get vaccinated because you we were just talking and apparently it wasn't like too terrible for you. And I'm gonna go ahead and assume that's because you were a vaxxed boy. You were you were vaxxed and relaxed. Yes. Um, I mean, you take vaccines for a reason. They, they're not going to help. They're not going to prevent you from getting sick. They're just going to scale it down. So you don't feel it as much. Um, it felt like a little cold. It's, I it mean, was in out. I mean, it's still in my system. Like if I go and get a test now, like I'm going to be testing positive, but got disease. I don't have to, I don't have to self isolate anymore. I'm not contagious. So that's the nice part. Here we go. Well, I, I myself am feeling pretty run down and crappy um that has more to do with the metric shit ton of work that i've been doing and yeah i feel like i've been running a marathon for like weeks so all that to say we're happy to be back we finally carved out some time and did a thing yes um and honestly it was i mean being sick sucks but taking some time away from uh working so much um kind of nice <laughs> in, in a in a messed up way i mean that was one of the positives when I had it. Um, I can't believe it's been almost a year. Um, yeah, one of the nice parts was just being able to like chill out and not have to worry about responsibilities and being an adult and stuff. I was just able to kind of sit back and watch ungodly amounts of TV. Um, shout out Justine, my lovely girlfriend, um, taking care of me and doing way too many things last week for me that I just couldn't do because covid yeah, so I was shout a, out to her. <laughs> I was a lonely boy. <laughs> I was a lonely boy when I had it. I was I was all by my onesies and uh it almost it came it came close to destroying my my Christmas plans, but luckily that did not happen and now yeah, it's been a year. That's I haven't even thought about it until we started this conversation and that's ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> yes. I cannot I cannot believe it. Um so other than other than uh COVID troubles, what else has been going on in your life, Dan? 
Um, well, I've just been busy working between two jobs. I mean, I got a new job um, working in a box office. I'm not going to um, say who it is. It's a pretty prestigious uh, musical company in Boston slash the world. There you go. Um, just, just think of that. And uh, just busy with uh, my online music marketing job that I've always had. Um, again, I'm not going to say who they are, but things are picking up. Things are great. Yeah, the, the industry's back. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit after our drinks and Patriots news. Um, yeah, I'm still doing I'm still doing the same thing. And our busy season is upon us. And I definitely feel it. I am not in uh, I am not in shape for it. I haven't done that. Uh, I haven't done this much lifting and back and forth and running in uh you gotta do your lunges boy i know i've <laughs> i know that i'm getting old when i feel like i have to stretch before work now dude i i've been starting to do some like yoga and meditation it's happening because well uh, like I, I have slow i'm trying to combat being so stressed out i've been so stressed out working in the past like three months four different jobs and like two just ended, one just started, another one just picked up. Like there's a lot of moving pieces in my life and I'm trying to to uh, try to build better habits. Yeah. Like I started, I did like some yoga today and it, it felt really good. Dang. And I've been doing some like meditation. I would have expected this out of you when you were living in Brooklyn because that feels like a very Brooklyn move for you. Yeah, I mean... But here you are, an old man living in the city of Boston, doing yoga, working jobs. You're like a fully actualized adult now. I don't know about that. We've come so far from where we started, Dan. I mean, that's true. I've also sold out with my jobs. <laughs> I was talking I was talking to my buddy Rohan about that today. It was like, every... <laughs> Every time I get like, every time I get excited about something that's going on at work or like, I feel like I had a really good day at work. Like I really do enjoy the people around me and stuff, but there is always that little voice in the back of my head. That's just like, do you remember your punk rock dreams? Yeah. I mean, there was, um, I'm not going to name names here, but there's a particular like DIY venue in Boston, not Boston, Cambridge. I'm not going to name their name, but I'm going to, you know what you're, t what I'm talking about. Yeah. I did apply to to there and they did ask for an interview of me and you know I was so busy at the time yeah. I just couldn't get myself to respond to it yeah oh that's such a bummer and you know what's and you know what's funny that job is still listed up dang you should go for it go for job number three dude i no 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 i can't do it at this point yeah super long work weeks and stuff it's killing me yeah i mean trying to reap the awards yeah. eventually right right just put in the work and keep working make money and then eventually you'll die or retire but i or mean both <laughs> I, I don't think any sensible millennial especially working in music plans to retire yeah that's one of the that's one of the interesting things about our chosen kind of career. It's uh, you got you got to be a lifer. Or you're not going to make it. I mean, I will say this: I love what I do. Sure. Like it's it's hectic. It's crazy. It's it's a little stressful, but I like what I do. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm still very much in kind of a like it's a day job phase. Um, 
but a very a very smart man told me that Nashville is like a five year town before you start like really having a network and being able to you know build your career. Um, I'm coming up on I'm coming up on year number four, I think. I also can't believe it's yeah, been that long. That's insane. Um, but I'm yeah, already starting. I'm already starting to feel it though. There's like the the networking side of things has uh, definitely picked up now that the city is kind of open again and there's music going on and things like that. So being able to coordinate and talk with people and um, trying to build those relationships and find myself some new projects to kind of get my foot back in the door with production kind of things, um, trying to pick up my guitars a little bit more and trying to uh, get creatively inspired to do something. It's uh, it's tough when you're working a day job, but we're getting there. Yeah. I mean, every day is a new day. True. And I mean, we're not the same people we were when we first met. Ah, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. I'd like I'd like to think we're a little bit wiser. Um, I think we, I think we both definitely are, but we also both really like being self-deprecating. So (laughs) (laughs) I think we like to joke. I think we like to joke a lot of the times that we are just, we're garbage. Yeah. (laughs) Just just throw us right in the trash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is like one thing I do miss about living in New York slash Brooklyn. Like when it was pre pandemic times, I would probably go to a networking event in New York, like once every two weeks, maybe once a month, just meet people, have drinks, try to schmooze some people. Yeah. I like the, uh, I haven't done, I haven't done a lot of those networking events, but I have like the network that I do have at this point has been really cool. Cause it's been so organic. It's just been like people that I've run into. Um, even though I swore after dealing with karaoke heroes in New Haven um, that I would never be a karaoke person, I hang out at a karaoke bar all the time. And so you start talking to people after you sing and... Um, because obviously everybody oh gets God. up, everybody gets up and does like freaking "Don't Stop Believing" or some god awful country song. Um, so you always end up finding like the three people in the bar that are super passionate about music, and they're like, "I can't believe you did." I mean, you got to keep it kind of like general interest. So it'll be like it'll be people coming up to me and being like, "I can't believe you did," you know, AFI or Bowling for Soup or something. Um, yeah, you can't really you can't get away with a like Menzingers karaoke song. Nah. Or- Nobody would know. Or, or like, or, or like Wonder Years or like, I, I mean, even I'm trying to think of like other ones. Um, I mean, Fall Out Boy is a great one. Fall Out Boy is a great one, but it's a, it's a sprint. Patrick Stump is a, Patrick Stump is an expert. <laughs> like those vocals are, those vocals are tough. I don't want to make too much of a fool of myself. Weirdly, the big one that goes over like super well every single time I've ever done it, which is not that often. Um, Shipping up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, yeah, that that's. It's, I mean, that's very on brand for you. And it's also very weird in a southern town. <laughs> but I like, yeah, I, I, I like zigging when they're expecting me to zag. I mean, and it's also like it's easy enough to sing along to. Yeah, like you can get a bar behind you to sing it with you. Yeah, you can't sing "Dirty Water" as a karaoke song. That's just not gonna go yeah, over no. well. <laughs> there's not, there's not that many people that are gonna be, uh, that are gonna be uh, hyped on the standouts. <laughs> I mean. But you can get people hyped on uh, Sweet Caroline anywhere. Yeah, that's true. I thought, but that- I don't know if I would do that as a karaoke.
karaoke song. It gets it gets done a lot. I hear it probably once a week. And yeah, the, the oh god, man, I feel like a woman by Shania Twain is effectively ruined for me. Don't stop believing. I I I tweeted about it a while ago. I was like, that I want, one's just cheesy. That like, song is cheesy. I wonder what it's like to not hear "Don't Stop Believing" once a day, sometimes multiple times a day, every day of your life. I mean, Journey is not that good. Yeah, they got hits though. Eh. You can't you can't argue that they have hits, and they've got a couple of songs that are uh, that I'm all right with. On the whole, not my favorite band though. But anyway, should we? Uh, <laughs> Should we hop into some uh, what we're drinking? Mine is not impressive. Yes, mine is not that impressive either. So after being sick for a while and like, remember the last time we recorded this podcast? Yes. I still had beer from my uh, birthday party. (laughs) I still have... I still have beer for my birthday party. Tight. Just because, you know, you I, you shouldn't be drinking while you're sick. Yeah, that's true. Like, there's nothing nutrition there's nothing that can benefit you from drinking a beer while having while being sick. That's yeah, that's that's sound medical advice, I'd say. <laughs> um, so I am drinking a long long trail ale. Um, it was just what was somebody left it in my fridge Doesn't and I have like, make 12, I have no idea. I feel it's, like it's made by it's Harpoon, okay. but yeah, I've had it before. It's just like an IPA. It's a very light IPA. There you go. I'm, uh, I'm drinking a White Claw hard seltzer, a ruby grapefruit one because- Is it the same one from the last time we recorded? It is not the same <laughs> one from three weeks ago, but I am currently, uh, I'm currently deeply involved with a very beautiful woman who enjoys seltzers and- and I like to I like to uh, oblige her, I suppose. So I drink them with her, and I mean they're not bad. They don't. It's it's White Claw. You know what it is. I mean they're good. We gotta get a for posterity's sake. Yes. So um, all right, we got three games to talk about here. Oh dog. Oh doggy doggy dog. And so the Texans game. That was that was terrible. Yes. Um, you can split it however you want, but we did not deserve to win that game. No, no, we didn't. The Texans um, won that game for us. Yeah, they and the offense was just spinning the tires the entire time. Um, that game. The game against the Texans, I think, told us a lot about um, like tempering expectations for this team. Um, I think you're going to hear us and pretty much every single meet, like every single report about this year's Patriots is going to say the same thing. But it is worth saying, like Mac Jones consistently looks great. His mechanics are good. He's running this offense, you know, pretty efficiently. Um, we are suffering terribly from offensive play calling um, and just undisciplined football and that's that's how you get like the texans are a trash team this year and the fact that we only beat them by a field goal is not promising (laughs) like i i didn't feel good after that game that game left a lot of questions like not about mac jones but the play calling itself like is josh mcdaniels holding mac back is it i understand putting the training wheels on for like a little bit but that 
game particularly was painful. <laughs> and even and even the next game, like the game afterwards, we had no business being in the game against the Cowboys. Cowboys were just making mistakes left and right. They were trying to give us the game and we couldn't capitalize. Exactly. Um the justification that I've that I saw on the internet for uh the play calling that we've been seeing is obviously there's a bunch of injuries and our especially our offensive line is just it's I mean it's not even held together with duct tape it's like scotch tape like yeah they are barely keeping it together and Mac is taking just so many hits every game so people are trying to justify the really conservative play calling with well we have to you know we have to be doing this to keep him somewhat protected because if Mac goes down you know our backup is Brian Hoyer and we've seen time and time again how well that goes for us yeah that doesn't go well at all so that's I mean that that justification makes sense it doesn't really um sorry to my cousin Bobby who I'm sure is going to listen to this and have something to say on Twitter or in my Instagram DMs or something um yeah it's not going to get me off of Josh McDaniel's back it's just so much of the play calling has been so just stupidly simple which makes no sense when we've seen that when you know you let him off the leash a little Mac Mac can play with the big boys <laughs> like yeah this kid this kid is smart he's got like we saw recently his and I believe we actually saw in the Texans game his deep ball is great his thinking is great his like we've got we've got a contender for quarterback here like the kid is awesome um but if we're I not mean, go ahead no if 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 we're not making use of that and indeed when we don't make use of that we don't win games and eight eight weeks into the season you either like you either recognize that and capitalize that on that or the Patriots are going to be just irrelevant for the second year in a row yeah I mean Cowboys didn't deserve they they were trying to give us that game. I don't think they wanted to win that game. And there were some points in that game that we were trying to give it away as well. <laughs> yeah, again, we, you know, we just kind of, the Cowboys game was a, was an interesting, um, that was an interesting one to watch because it was, uh, it was very similar to uh, the game against the Buccaneers where it was, you know, the Cowboys have been talked about as legitimate Super Bowl contenders this year. And Dak Prescott has looked great for a guy that's, you know, coming off of serious injuries and you know seven at that point that was i think that was week seven seven yeah. weeks into seven weeks into no, an nfl six that's six uh yeah yeah six weeks six weeks into an nfl season that's i mean that's kind of right around when shit begins to hit the fan for a lot of these teams like are you are can you can you hang or not and the patriots were hanging with the cowboys but again just so many undisciplined mistakes all over it where that seems to be the theme of that seems to be the theme of this year so far is that like we've got a lot of talent especially with the quarterback but also with some of our defensive players some like some of our receivers hunter henry has given me hope in tight ends again but right when we're when we're getting stupid flags that are costing us these things when we're playing conservatively when we should really be trying to you know run the ball down these teams throats you're well, i mean it's it's hard when we've had had six fumbles so far this year yeah i mean like damian harris has lost a couple Ramondre steven he's fumbled it a couple times like we've just losing some of the points of this like 
we're not we're we're okay but we need to get rid of those mistakes mac jones i mean right now he's nine for six he's taken 14 sacks completing 70 percent of his passes i mean he is he's playing like a rookie i'm okay with those numbers yeah he's playing he's playing like a really good rookie i mean you look at you look at anybody else from that draft class and pretty much any you know rookie season for the past however many years and he's he's not he's not the greatest quarterback of all time he's not he's not a tom brady he's not a you know he's not like a he doesn't have like the wow factor of like a patrick mahomes or a lamar jackson but i mean he's he's scary efficient and he's not even in his prime yet so i had (laughs) yeah i had the thought the other day um somebody should somebody should get alex guerrero on the phone and just get this kid get this kid started with the tb12 method like right now oh my god oh my god <laughs> we can we can we can manufacture a second coming <laughs> <laughs> all right we talked about two bad games like the texans game we won but let's be honest like i kind of count that as a loss the texans just you know they're the texans they're not good yep cowboys they they arguably if if mike mccarthy wasn't such a bad coach they should have wiped the floor with us i truly believe that yeah that it should not have been that it shouldn't have been that close that game should not have gone to overtime right now and i i want to bring this up i am surprised by the amount of trick plays we have seen the last couple of weeks in the play calling and that's definitely something that we should get into with this next game as well because i had the same thought we have like we're seeing we're seeing plays being pulled out right now that we normally wouldn't see until a playoff run right like i don't it it makes it's it's interesting I'm I'm torn between whether or not I think it's desperation, like just trying to throw everything at the wall we can right now to get ourselves into the win column, or if it's an indication that maybe we have some additional tricks up our sleeve that and we have enough of them that we're okay with showing off some of that now. I don't really know. I think it's probably the former. I mean, I think we have more playmakers on the team. I think Mac Jones, I mean, love Tom Brady, love what he brought to the table with the team but and no one better take this out of context tom brady limited us with his athleticism mac jones kind of brings like a different element with that he does he does have a little bit he's a little bit better with his legs um i mean he's younger you would expect that from him yeah and he's got the i think he might even be a little bit better than a rookie brady um kind of overall like everything that he actually brings to the table um and it's early to say that um it's early to say that with certainty but i do i do like what i'm seeing and i'm super excited to see more and more and to see how the kid develops because he could be scary scary good in a couple of years if we keep a decent team around him uh and he stays healthy yeah for sure let's talk about this jets game i i love i love the pure and utter spite and hatred that bill belichick has for the butt fumble of organizations oh yeah he hates the jets and makes like it is his goal in life to make sure that he embarrasses them every single chance he gets i I mean, like, I was complaining about the last time they faced the Jets because there was no way we should have only scored 25 points. That game should have looked like this. Limiting, and, like, and they're like, the last time we played the Jets, 
limiting them, limiting them to six points was a little bit embarrassing. Like clearly it's Patriots versus Jets. There is no, there is no scenario ever where, where Bill Belichick lets his team lose to the Jets. But I agree. Every time we play the Jets, we, it is our goal to embarrass them and embarrass them in a big way. And we didn't do that last time. This time, 54 to 13 yep and we were leading them by 30 plus points like in the in the third quarter and we just didn't let up off the gas yeah (laughs) i'm i'm okay with that like especially like taking out mac at the the end of the fourth quarter yeah just (laughs) letting brian letting brian hoyer get a touchdown let brian hoyer come in and throw touchdown passes because fuck you new york jets like and the offense finally this is the first time in a long time i can say that the offense looked really good yeah and it is one of those things and we say it every year that we play them because we always play them relatively early in the season and then again later but it is a caveat that does kind of have to get said every time it's easy to get hyped on the patriots when they open up a can of whoop ass on the jets and we always look good against this team and of all the teams that we could be you know this aggressive and this you know this willing to just slam another opponent they are the jets like they're not a good organization they haven't been a good organization for a while so it is kind of easy to beat up on a bad football team um so i think that there were a lot of there were a lot of hot takes going on on patriots twitter and um I've weirdly become a Reddit user. Um, oh, same. So Patriots Reddit has also been, uh, Patriots Reddit was also, you know, really, really hyped up after this win against the Jets. And I think that there's a lot of great things to see. We looked, we looked buttoned up. Um, we looked efficient and. I just don't like the penalties and the penalty yards. I mean, yeah. six penalties, 95 yards. Like we can't, we can't be having that. We and getting in our own way with those like that's not that's not good but it also didn't i'm willing to look past it this week but in the future we got to be better about that exactly also can we get jacoby myers a touchdown pass finally or like a touchdown how insane is it that he has thrown touchdown passes? He has been, especially these past two years, he's been a fairly productive receiver. And the right. and was it the Cowboys game where he had a touchdown? He had a touchdown called back because of a penalty. Yep. Yeah, the dude cannot. They they just don't want him in the end zone. I mean, there was also like another talk. I think on Sunday with the Jets, like. Will this be his first touchdown? Nope. Nope. Like, I, I think Mac threw it to him and he just missed him. Yeah, it's... uh it was it was a refreshing it was a refreshing turn um happy to see them back in the win column it does it does give me a limited amount of excitement uh to see that team you know function as a team pretty well um if i were to give it if i were to grade their performance overall you know b plus a minus yeah those penalties that's about yeah i would give it that the penalties knock it off but i mean overall great win yeah um it gives me hope i'm tempering my expectations for what the rest of this season looks like but you know it shows that we've got a lot of capable guys here and maybe we're just maybe we're missing a couple of pieces um i was thinking about it this week it's i don't i'm mad at josh mcdaniels 
I'm mad at his play calling overall. But if we if we get rid of him, does that does that kind of throw the offense into even more kind of chaos and end up kind of derailing what progress we make this season? That's fair. I mean, like that se- that does seem like a pretty big gamble considering that like we saw we're recording this on Monday. Um so we saw we saw yesterday that you know, we can like this team can they can cook. They're not cooking in five-star restaurants right now, but you know, they're they're doing better than the old Applebee's. That's fair. I mean, how many chances are we going to give Josh McDaniels though? And that I mean, is... would would someone like for example, Troy Brown, not saying that he would be a viable candidate for offensive coordinator but would someone like Troy Brown who's like the wide receivers coach be a good option yeah that is that's it's it's one of those things that I don't have a good answer but you do have to wonder like is it better to is it better to try and patch this all up from the inside because we've seen how successful we can be um, or do we try and bring in the outside help whether that be coordinators or players or whoever um the one thing that I don't get is the the people that are sitting there and trying to, you know, trying to talk about replacing Belichick already. That just seems like no, <laughs> just no. I mean, he's going to be replaced eventually, but I don't think he's doing I don't think he is so incompetent at his job. He has to get out. There have been times where I, I have and maybe I'm just hypercritical of Josh McDaniels. Maybe I am. You can tell me if I am like, but to put it into perspective, Josh McDaniels offense without Brady. So when he was head coach of the Broncos in 2009, he was 20th in 2010 with the Broncos. He was 19th when he was the Rams offensive coordinator. He was 32nd last year. He was 27th this year, 26th. Is he starting to look more like, like Andrew Gase, who was the Jets head coach last year and the year before who coasted off of Peyton Manning's reputation and got jobs that way. I don't know. My gut feeling tells me that, yeah, it's a little bit of that. I think especially seeing, especially seeing Brady down in Tampa Bay just functioning the way that they have like on paper last year they had no business getting like getting anywhere within 30 miles of a Super Bowl um and then you basically hear stories about Tom really kind of you know putting his foot down and essentially taking over as an offensive coordinator um I mean I think that exposes which I mean, Brian Leftwich is there with the Bucks. Yeah. But how much is he contributing? And also, like, Tom Brady is still playing at the highest level we have ever seen from any athlete. Yeah. I mean, whether you like Tom Brady and is like you think he's a cheater or whatever, or you're mad that he left the Patriots or like mad at the Bucks or Patriots hater, you have to appreciate this type of greatness and you'll never see it again. Yeah. You're never going to see another Tom Brady. There is there is zero chance like zero chance he is in that icon of like babe ruth michael jordan um i'm trying to think of like wayne gretzky like athletes you will never see someone like again the man the man's basically a superhero um yeah but yeah um last thing that i have about the patriots in general but specifically about this this jets game yesterday um there is one reason and one reason only that i look forward to bill belichick um retiring and it is that i think when he retires the chances of an actual tell-all book or maybe even a biography um not like the 
not like that Wickersham book that came out recently or any of the other ones that have been written about the Patriots dynasty. I want one specifically about Bill Belichick, and I want to learn what it is that drives him to hate the Jets so much. My money is on some sort of weird backdoor, like some some sort of... Actually might have a couple answers to your question. I think I think it was some sort of tomfoolery um, about his about the way that they went about making him the head coach of the Jets, which lasted for less than twenty four hours. I think I think there was something that went on there, um, and I know that well, I know that he wanted to be head coach and general manager. And when Parcell stepped down, they did not they were not prepared to do that. They were basically I think they were going to make Parcell's general manager and. Belichick would be head so, coach. So one of the deals, so like I, th- what happened was like, so Bill Parcells coached the Patriots famously, like he, he wasn't fired. Both Robert Kraft and Bill Parcells kind of parted on mutual terms. Um, Cause one of Parcells famous quotes from that era, he said, if you're going to cook the dinner, you should at least buy some of the groceries, like talking about like building the team. And Bill Parcells wanted control of that. So he bounced the Jets and then he took this Bill, Bill Belichick went with Bill Parcells. Bill coached like the the Jets like a couple seasons was like, you know what? I'm going to retire. Bill Belichick, here you go. Here's the job. And then they or like, actually, no, what happened was they hired Bill Belichick and then they were like, actually, just kidding. We're going to have Bill Parcells be the coach and then you're just going to be the assistant coach and then eventually when he decides to retire, it's your job. Bill Parcells was like, I don't really want to do that. And what's funny is Bill Belichick has been the head coach of the Jets three different times, but never coached a game for them. And I know I know at some point there was there was a discrepancy. He was supposed to he was supposed to come up and do he was supposed to come up and at some point he was going to be the way that he is with the Patriots now. He was going to be general manager and head coach. And for some Correct. reason he got promoted to head coach, but was not granted the the powers of the general manager, which is when he had the which is when they basically offered him the job and he wrote it down he wrote down on a napkin that like I resign as HC of the NYG uh, NYJ and then just bailed. I mean I mean, I mean, in retrospect and knowing knowing Belichick's past, like especially with how sour the uh, Cleveland Browns job went, do you blame him? No, not at all. Like he wanted sense of control. Like, I mean, he, he coached a good Cleveland Browns team, got them into the playoffs. They were supposed to be that team. They were supposed to be Super Bowl contenders. Art Modell decided to fuck over the city of Cleveland, which I mean, do you blame him? Yeah, it's... <laughs> Move, move them to Baltimore. Bill Belichick didn't go with the move because he was just fired. And they, the Cleveland Browns were like, all the players and coaches were like, fuck this. Like, why should we care when you're going to move the team anyways? Yep. But I would love, the point being, I would love to hear in Belichick's own words. Like, uh, I mean, that is, I'm looking, I'm looking at the scores for all the games from the preseason up until now, 54 to 13. That's like, we took their lunch money, slapped them in the face after they handed it over voluntarily and then spit on their shoes before we walked away like we i and we do and we do that against that team all the time and as much as i love it i every time i have to sit back and be like 
even all these years later, he clearly just has nothing but it, like every. I mean, sun- and and it got. Let's not forget with the whole rivalry between him and Eric Mangini, hmm? the guy who ratted on Bill Belichick with Spygate. Even though he was definitely doing it too. He was definitely doing it too, but. And then because, I mean, we're not going to get into that. Um, and then you also had the the blubbering idiot Rex Ryan and all the oh. shit talking he had. He was on he was on one of the football talk shows this morning as I was walking into work. I saw it on one of the TVs in the like food hall place that I have to go through. And oh, my God, even he just has looking some of the at worst him. takes. <laughs> He has some terrible takes. Worse than ours. How did that man have a job? How has that man had any job? It's called nepotism. There's that. His his um his dad was Buddy Ryan, who he's the famous defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. The eighty five Bears. Oh it's uh yeah, I just I would I would love to I would love to hear Belichick just sit down and break down that entire situation and find out just why every Sunday morning every Sunday morning morning when bill belichick wakes up and he knows that he's playing the new york jets he chooses violence every yeah. time all right i have nothing else to add um the chargers game that's going to be a tough game against justin herbert i know yes. that they're probably going to want revenge especially since we smacked them last year 45 to nothing yeah um i expect that one to be a much closer game i mean justin herbert is he's still he's a good quarterback yes he is and the chargers look uh the Chargers look legitimate, but I think we yeah. we've, we have seen this team. They've gone against legitimate teams. I'm, again, pointing to the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. You know, we've neither of those games. Well, hang around. Yeah, um, I'm not seeing any blowouts coming up on this schedule. It's just tough games that are. If if we're losing, if we're losing the turnover battle and the and the penalty battle. We're not winning, so we gotta fix it, and we gotta let we gotta let Mac do his thing. He's out there for a reason. Yeah. But now that we've sufficiently uh, beat the dead horse, which is the Patriots' 2021 season so far, let's uh, let's cleanse the palate here a little. Yes. Talk about some music stuff, because I am feeling, um, at least for me, uh, Dan and I both went to college. Um, we both entered college for uh, degrees in music-related fields. Um, yes. I finished my degree at UNH with a degree in music and sound recording, so production kind of stuff. Um, and I've definitely approached that chosen career path with more of an artistic kind of bent to it, um, especially because my main my main love is mixing music. Um I love playing um, guitar, bass, singing, stuff like that. I like doing all that kind of stuff, but I do really like sitting behind a computer screen for hours on end, tuning things and putting the puzzle pieces together and, you know, taking raw materials and making something that sounds cohesive out of it. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at. Your journey was a little bit different. Yeah. So... I, what's funny is before I even went to college, I, I did an internship in college, like not college, uh, high school. And it was with, it was with a recording studio slash music public publishing company. Um, my mentor, Zach, great guy, um, doesn't really do music publishing or the recording or the recording studio anymore. Unfortunately, focused on other endeavors, but, 
I remember telling him, oh yeah, I'm going for music industry. And he said, that's not a good idea. You should go for business. And you know, I think being the 18, 19 year old that I was, when you're when you're that age, there's no way of convincing you that you're wrong. You think you're right about everything. Every life decision, you're like, this is the right one. And like, and I'm sure you can equate to that as well. Correct. Like you think you're the smartest person in the world. You can't do anything wrong. Get to college. And I remember... First up, Zach, Zach was right. Like, I will say if I had to, if there are any high schoolers listening to this, which I'm not sure if there are, or young people, I would say if you're looking at music industry as a career, don't go for music industry as a degree. Look more towards a business background. Because when I got to college, the I got smacked in the face with music theory, which <laughs> growing up playing in punk and hardcore bands, you don't know music theory. I mean, I know some that do. I mean, I have a... I have one friend who's very talented. He actually does like sound recording down in Nashville. Used to play in a couple bands with him. Like he's that type of dude, but not my thing. Um, I took, I d- changed my major to business management. Didn't really know what to do with it. At first I was like, I don't know if I want to do this music industry thing. Just like doing other things, having other interests, um, meeting new people. And then eventually got back into it because of being part of music industry club and just helping with like some of the booking, helping with just running the shows. I just, I love the live atmosphere of it all. Um, And it's kind of reflected in some of the job choices that I've had. I mean, like I have, if we're talking about live performance, not like sound tech, I have done coat check. I have done ushering slash ticket taking. I've done box office jobs. I have, I've done a lot of venue type of work. (laughs) For sure. Um, And, I mean, as well as one of the things that got me going was the current company I work with. I do like a lot of music marketing, a lot of uh, playlist promotion. And I know that that's a dirty word that a lot of people hear and they turn off because a lot of people hear that and they think it's a scam. And maybe I can get into that. In a <laughs> oh, little I, th- bit. I think we are going to get into that because there is... Um there are a couple of there are a couple of kind of current things that I want to get some takes on. Oh, I got lots of takes. Um, I've also done done some interning with PR companies and just general PR work. Um, yeah, I like the space of helping bands digitally get their name out there and recognition. Um, that's that's ultimately what I love to do. Um, any way to help a band build their career and and artist development is like a huge part of that that I do. Yeah. So the reason why I suggested this as a topic, um, I was recently going through um, Overcast, which is the podcast player that I use. And I was looking through a lot of the stuff because I've been using Overcast since I was in high school. Um, So it's got a pretty definitive list of all the different podcasts. Even if I've just listened to one episode, you know, it ends up in my library, basically. Right. Um, So I was scrolling through listening for, you know, looking for something to listen to. And I came across a podcast that I know we both listened to uh, that was called Off the Record. It was hosted by Zach Cirillo, um, who started PropertyofZach.com which was property of Zach was basically a like it was literally a Tumblr blog. Um, I think towards the end there, he might have switched providers, but it was it was a Tumblr where he would basically post um, music and tech news, very similar to uh, Absolute Punk now Chorus.fm. Uh, but it was a little bit more personalized, I'd guess it was very it was very much um 
tuned to Zach's tastes and he would, um, he had other writers and other people on there. Um, but yeah, like that, Zach is the guy that broke the fact, uh, back in 2013, Property of Zach was the first one to post about the fact that Fall Out Boy were getting together and they kind of, they kind of spoiled the reunion. Um, and I say spoiled as a technical term because I'm actually, I know that at the time it became a little bit of a controversy, like in the quote unquote scene. But I mean, as a, as a consumer of content from that site, I was just stoked to hear about it and felt like felt special that I was following the blog that broke it. Um, the other host was Jesse Cannon, who's a super well-known producer, um, worked with a lot of I mean, just he touched so much of so many of the records that you and I basically grew up on. Um, he's he's touched some of the records that we've talked about on this show. Yeah. And he has a, he's a fantastic mastering engineer. He's a I mean, still to this day, I follow him on Twitter and on social media and he's still a nerd and I love it. Um, but anyway, I was I was listening to Off the Record and that podcast was coming out um kind of right at the beginning of streaming services really kind of hitting the masses um so there were a lot of talks about you know playlist placement kind of the stuff that you do um there's like a there's like a five or six episode streak um where they were recording when apple music was announced and then when it was launched and they were kind of giving their hot takes on all that and i know i know jesse cannon he has been very critical about playlist promotion and playlist uh placements um and to his credit what he's talking about is correct um like what he is but what he is talking about is kind of like um the old term payola yes if anyone doesn't know what that is payola is was a term back in like the 50s and 60s where record labels would essentially pay a record like a radio station to play their record and it could be like it would be like hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's a very simplified like explanation. Yeah, it was all, it was many times it was like super indirect. Like it would be, you know, yeah. lavish dinners and parties and, you know, they would, they would and find ways to woo. Yeah, there is a bit of that in the playlisting space where, and I don't do it. Like if I get, if I have an artist that I'm working with and let's say I pitch them to some website, like I find their website, I get all their information i get their like their contact information send them an email hey i really love your playlist like would this would be a really good ad for it send sometimes i get back oh hey we really like it but we need 30 dollars for this placement in it i don't even bother responding to it because it's not worth my time yeah and jesse cannon has been very critical because there are a lot of scamsters and people that do that and And try to take advantage of artists yeah and i think that's kind of the that's kind of the nature of this being a business you know it's you're dealing you're dealing with you're dealing with artists and you're dealing with creative people um who are not necessarily thinking about things in a business way so you end up with you end up with people that their entire life revolves around you know the american dollar um trying to find a way to use that against people um so playlists is kind of naturally where we are right now so part of the reason why i was interested to get your takes about this is um apple music 
just announced, and I'm looking for it now. Yeah. So Apple Music just announced this new kind of version of their service. It's $5 a month, and it's literally just a playlist subs- subscription. Okay. So since since the inception of Spotify and Tidal and Apple Music, the idea has been you pay a monthly rate and you get access to that company's entire library of music. So basically, we'll just keep using Apple Music because it's what we're talking about. Apple Music launched and it was instead of going to the iTunes store and paying 99 cents or a buck 29 for each individual song that you're going to get, you now pay $10 a month and you can have the entire iTunes library at your disposal. What they're doing now is they're charging $5 a month. And what you get to do is if you have a HomePod or you're on your iPhone or whatever, you can basically go, I don't want to say the voice assistant's name because I know that that triggers, um, <laughs> that triggers it in your phone and stuff, but you basically get to say, Hey blank, play me a beach music playlist. Right. And she turns around and starts playing a curate, a curated, uh, curated playlist for you. Um, I now don't- is it now are the playlists developed by playlist curators at Apple or can I, for example, create a beach playlist and is it triggered by who, what playlist you follow? So I believe it is curated by Apple themselves. Like I'm looking at screenshots from this in various Apple music apps right now. And it seems to be, it seems to be just Apple curated playlists, but uh, Mac stories net has a breakdown of all of these different these different playlists that they've already discovered and there's no comprehensive list on apple.com or whatever else but it's basically like I'm feeling angry and it starts to play you the angry playlist and there's literally there's literally album art for feeling angry feeling mad mellow days help me sleep stress relief uh, <laughs> there's a playlist called yay with <laughs> uh, Whatever that means. Gratitude, feeling myself, in my feelings, inspiration, deep focus. Um, They announced this and I thought it was, my first thought was, this feels dumb. But. I mean, yeah. You, you work on these playlist placement things and things like that. And I have to, I have to imagine that, I mean, you're working, you're working for a viable business. They're making money. They're paying you. Right. I didn't, I didn't think that this was, I didn't think that this was the way that I didn't think enough people listened to music this way that it would justify doing something like this, which is why they announced it. And I was like, are there people that would pay $5 to be able to do that? But I like, are there enough people that are actually just exclusively listening to like curated playlists that this is a worthwhile option? I mean, I think in the world of music discovery today, I find a lot of my music through playlists and it's not even just from working. It's just, it's, it's so easy when Spotify, already has a curated playlist and I don't have to think twice about it and then I'm like oh sick this is a cool band like let me save this um like one of my favorite Spotify playlists that they create for you is release radar where like every Friday all the bands that you follow who put out new music that day they're slapped on a playlist and you can just listen to it you don't have to go, go through different tabs and like search through them out you can just be like oh cool so and so put out a new song let me check it out and it's like oh and also this one why don't i just listen to it all the way through and see how it goes maybe there's like an, a, a song i haven't heard in a while or like a band i haven't heard in a while huh. so and i mean i work a lot with 
Spotify curated playlists, not so much Apple. I think Apple is a little bit behind when it comes to the playlisting. Yeah, I think so much. I think so much of Apple's Apple Music's thing has been dependent on one, just the user base that they already have installed. Why am I going to go and sign up for another different service like Spotify or Tidal or whatever when I don't have to enter any information? I don't have to do anything when I open the music app in my phone besides select, yeah, I want to use Apple Music initially. They'll use the same billing thing that you use for like iCloud storage or whatever else and boom, you're you're in it. Um, So I think part of it is the ease of the install base and I think the other part of it is the it's been very like individual user centric um so someone like me who has i think close to two hundred thousand songs in their itunes library yeah being able to have that library at my fingertips right off the bat and then using the streaming to supplement that for songs that i don't already have or new releases or whatever now that i'm a full-time you know streaming music consumer right I think that's that's been the biggest thing. And it was the thing that brought me to Apple Music in the first place versus Spotify, because I did use Spotify for a while. Um, but integrating like an existing library, especially for things that aren't necessarily on streaming, was the big thing for me with, with that particular platform. I mean, I still use Apple Music. I still have... I don't have the streaming service for it, but I still have songs in my my library. Like I still I still download music from like Bandcamp, for example, yeah. because some things are just not available on Spotify. Um, it's not perfect. Um, one thing I and maybe I haven't checked it out in a lot, while, but the last time I used Apple Music, you couldn't if you were to check out a playlist, could only check out the first ten seconds of a song or whatever. Then yeah, they would like put up a payroll. Yeah, and that's probably probably what turns me off because even if you don't want to pay for Spotify for example which you can get the free version and you can still listen to the desktop version it's a little annoying with the ads but it that's i i prefer that over Oh, 10 seconds of a song and then paywall. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a valid like a valid stance to have. I'm what I think is what I think is super interesting is the way that this has been this is like take absolutely taken over. Like when we were when we were growing up and especially uh when you and I were in college, that was the beginning of streaming really. Yeah, I so mean So we're we're probably a, at least at the very least we're 8 years into all these streaming services really kind of taking over and where do like I think I think the question that I'm trying to ask is like if we think back to when this started what what do you what do you what were your thoughts back then when when Spotify first became the thing what were you So I okay uh yeah. I remember I remember knowing about Spotify in high school I remember my music teacher at the time he showed us Spotify and I was like whoa this is interesting like you can look up any band, any anything that you want. I mean, I, I thought it was cool, but I also didn't buy into it. I remember even when I was like a senior in high school up and I mean, even freshman year of college, I was listening to music primarily from iTunes. Like I would have I would have 5000 songs on my, my on my iPod or like my iPhone. Yeah, I would be constantly trying to get rid of things because I just had that many songs on my phone. Yeah. Yeah, you only had you had that you were limited by the space of what you were holding in your hand and i remember at one point it was just like this is so annoying like i remember i still have them like i have them all 
on like a disk drive, like right now my my whole drive on my computer is like pretty much wiped of anything because primarily it was like 20,000 songs. Yeah. I mean, the the new Macs have now like a terabyte of memory. This is not the case. <laughs> yeah. Back in like 2013, like 2013 it was like, oh god, I don't know how much memory I have on this laptop, but that's not important right now. You just get sick of it. Like, I mean, why and also like the way I started using playlists to begin with was when I had to make a lot of long drives to Connecticut instead of I, I, I still am like that type of person. I don't like being on my phone while I'm driving. I like yeah. to focus on what I'm doing, focus on like the road and driving. You, so I would you, just, like, you like being a good person. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you, like, you like being a cognizant driver. Yes. Uh, yes. Doing the bare minimum here. I I would put on like I would create like a playlist like Dan going home and it's just five albums to keep me occupied and it's I would just it would be like oh I want to listen to like this record I've been really listening to I want to listen to like some of that like oh it's oh this is three hours long okay good enough okay this should this could hold me over and then I would just go about my drive yeah um I was in a similar space um. I think both of us, we were big fans of Sophie's Floorboard. Um, yes, that's basically where I got most of my music. I think, still, they still put music up there. <laughs> I think that's... We've, we've alluded to it on the podcast before. Um, I think... So obviously streaming music has kind of, I mean, it's created, it's created a job for you. You know, you, you actively work in playlisting. And I think that's, I think that's one of the interesting turns, especially listening to, you know, the takes at the time when all of this was kind of coming together and the software was being released and people started to migrate towards paying once a month to access all of these kind of things. I think one of the things that's missing now is there's, I mean, there's online radio services there's the playlisting there's things like that and that is one way to discover music but you know i only started collecting vinyl the back half of i started collecting vinyl in the back half of high school and through college and even now i love i love vinyl records um but i grew up doing what i would do in a record store online desperately searching for um i think a great example is do you know finch the band finch Yes. They have a song called What It Is... They sound familiar. Yeah. They have a song called What It Is to Burn. And every time I've ever seen that song on iTunes, on a playlist, you know, going to download it, it's always been called What It Is to Burn, and then in parentheses, album version. I have Mm. spent spent days of my life trying to find the other version of that song. If that's the album version, that implies that there's another version, and I can't... Find it, but I used to. I used to spend time looking for that, and doing things like that leads you down rabbit holes that helps you discover other artists and other bands. Um, yeah, and that I think that's missing a lot from the the streaming age, where so much of this stuff mm. is. I think a lot of this stuff is kind of algorithm, like algorithm based, and there's even less. There's even less people than before that are actively looking for new music and instead waiting for it to come across their you know, come across their, their for you page or whatever. That's fair. 
I I say this all the time. Spotify is not a music company. They're a technology company. True. They're an information company. They they don't care about music. I mean, they do to some extent to like try to get it out, but they're an information company. They 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 know exactly what you like and will recommend what they think you're supposed to like. But I will say like one of the things I find if if I was if I was 13 years old and I was first discovering alternative music and like, let's say I find Title Fight. Great example. They have, and Spotify has this on their like artists like them, like that you might look at and you might enjoy. And then you get into the Tiger's Jaw and like Touche Amore and maybe the Wonder Years or like any of those other bands. Doesn't really serve a purpose for me at this point in my life because I already know all those bands. Like those bands have been with me for, forever yeah it helps out the kid that doesn't know and just wants to get right into the music but for me it there is some missing element with spotify and i think that's a i think it's a missing element and it's it's again tying it in tying it into some of the hot takes that uh zach and jesse talked about uh in those earlier days were some of them um they spent a lot of time talking about um when apple music launched there was a connect feature which was basically like it was basically music twitter or a stream service so anytime there were announcements uh that bands were making and things like that uh they could broadcast that on their connect page so anybody that you were following like people uh, artists that were in your library would you would get a feed of what they were doing whether that was tour announcements or album announcements singles things like that um which is not as prevalent a feature on spotify or uh apple music title any of those i mean I mean, um, at least with Spotify, you do get the, oh, this band is coming to your town. Like, and you can click and like buy tickets to their show. Yeah. The bands in town thing is the bands in town thing is, um, I think that's a genius move. Uh, and we'll get into, I think it'll probably be the last topic of the night. Uh, but we'll get into another thing that I noticed, uh, today as I was scrolling through chorus.fm in the first, for the first time in like a month. Um, sorry, Jason and other friends that I've made on that website. I've been super quiet and should feel like I should probably get more involved with those forums again. Um, yeah. I love I love the band in I love the bands in town thing I love the the platform that streaming gives a lot of people um, but it is one of those things Jesse Jesse talks a lot through that entire podcast about uh, this term the democratization of music and it's part of the reason why I think streaming took off in the first place was streaming streaming made music accessible for on the consumer side everybody and to yeah. to a lesser extent um, through like distributors and things like that any any band could find themselves on the same service as as Lord Taylor Swift, um, uh, Imagine Dragons, <laughs> like oh my god, these like these these massive massive kind of artists. Um, but it's one of the it's one of the interesting things about the playlisting space that we were talking about earlier. We have this we have this format that is ripe for the democratization of this art form, and because of the way it's set up, it's not necessarily benefiting the people who could use that benefit the most. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you thought that there was kind of a missing element from Spotify, and I think that's one of the interesting things about playlisting when it's done right is that when you you have a human hand, not just an algorithm that's trying to feed you 
when you don't have an algorithm that's just trying to get you to continue to scroll or continue to listen or whatever, when you have an actual human being that's sitting back and going, hey, this is cool, the same way that forums and download sites and people at shows would do, that's... I mean, the thing about Spotify playlisting is, like, let's just say, like, I have a punk band that... I have a punk band and I pitch you this song and you have 50 followers on your playlist but you're like a really good fit you put your you you're like i'll put this song on it why not like what do i got to lose with it and i mean people think like oh a a playlist with 50 followers that's not a lot like you're if you're a band you're not going to get that much traction with it but eventually like you will start building those numbers of streams that you want and this has actually happened i have gotten and i'm not trying to flex here i have gotten bands on spotify playlists like curated playlists just because of building that sort of ground base like grassroots campaign yeah like i mean i have helped bands get up to like a million streams on like their single it took work takes time like like, it's not going to be the first single that they ever drop, but like you eventually you have to build it. You got to um, it's like it's like making a cake. Like, sure, you start off with flour and sugar and like a couple other things. That's like a very simple base, but then you have to build it up. Like what makes a really good cake? Got to keep building it, yeah. working at it. <laughs> so I think it's yeah. And I think uh, I think similar to what you're saying, I think it. I think the part that helps you build it is that human element. And it's one of those. It's one of those things that I think is just going to be trial and error until you get it right. Um, But it is something that I was thinking about as I've been listening back through that podcast is it's funny that you and I are having a similar conversation to what they were having years ago. Um, And it keeps getting refined. And I think on the whole, it's gotten better. But it is still a worry that I have as somebody who strives to be, you know, in this business and to make that a full time career is there's a there's a reliance. There's a reliance on just giving me the easy thing um yeah that kind of ends up being a race to the bottom as far as independent artists um and i would argue just quality art is concerned yeah i mean there is a lot of i I don't mean i don't want to say bad art but like i mean there was literally an article back in 2014 about a dude who made twenty three thousand dollars by releasing fourteen thousand songs on itunes and spotify like stupid songs about like pooping and stuff like that yeah and i remember that being i remember there being a fair amount of like capital c dis or capital d discourse um on the internet about that but all it made all it reminded me of was uh purevolume.com like some of oh, those yeah. some of those terrible like myspace scene bands that would have their tech friends build them like a little a little rig that would just play their songs over and over again so that they'd get to the top of the pure volume charts and there were people that got legitimate record deals and promotion off of fake numbers like yeah i mean you see that all the time um and it's very easy to do the pay for streams thing i mean one of the things i've learned from pr is we're not going to do all the work for you a band also has to do some of the work as well um it's an equal partnership here if you have a really good song and i'm pitching it to a hundred different playlists and i've gotten you on like 10 different playlists which that's an actual really 
really good turnaround if we're thinking about it. Like that's a 10% acceptance rate, but you're not posting about it on your Facebook or your Instagram or your Twitter or your TikTok. You can't, you, you also have to drive your fans to check out that playlist and listen to it and support you as well. And like, that's the one thing that we always strive to do and say to every person that we work with, like, hey, you have to please post about this, drive your fans to this playlist and tell them to check it out. Yeah. Very simple thing. I mean, it's the thing with artists now is it's not so much, you also have to be a master of social media. You need to know if, if I was managing a band, I would, I would suggest they take a, even the basic social media crash course from like Hootsuite or whatever. Like you can get a pretty basic social media education for like 250 bucks. Know what you're doing, know your way around. Like how will this post be better than the last post? How can I drive people to what I'm doing? Or can I keep them engaged? Right. That's the whole point. I mean, we are so, we are so distracted. There is so many distractions, so many things to keep a track of why should i care about you when there's like 10 other bands doing the same thing and let's be honest how you know most of us can't make it through a tv show without opening up instagram twitter tiktok um I try to avoid Facebook as best as possible because speaking of butt fumbles of organizations, um, uh, yes, <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, it's a crowded space. Um, so yeah, not to, not to continue beating a dead horse, but the one last thing that I wanted to ask you about, um, on this kind of bent, I saw a, I saw earlier today, hold on, let me continue to look through real quick so I can find the article. All right, here it is. Uh, earlier today on chorus.fm, they posted a link to a Variety article. Right, the Variety article starts with the headline, Spotify adds virtual merch tables for music artists in a pact with Shopify. So Shopify is basically a merch company. A lot of different artists use it uh, to sell t-shirts, vinyl, you know, just all of their merch. Um, and the reason why I wanted to ask about this is I'm, I think, unless I'm having like a Mandala effect, Mandela effect, Mandala effect moment. Right. Didn't Spotify already do this? I feel like back in they college, did. I was opening up people's Spotify things and like their Spotify profiles and I was able to see like vinyl records for sale. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, there's a pretty well-known company called Merch Bar. They do something like that. Um, is Merch Bar directly, was that directly in the Spotify app? Now, I don't know, but I know that, I mean, let's be fair, like everything is targeted. <laughs> yeah. Every every ad is targeted towards you. The internet knows if if you look up a, like a pair of like trim hedgers, like you want to trim your hedges for whatever fucking reason, yeah. you'll still get ads for it several days later. <laughs> Yep. There's maybe one day we can go into <laughs> maybe one day we can go into depth about uh, the rather depressing topic of how those algorithms learn that. And um, it's not it's not necessarily you're being listened to, but there's a lot of ways that the computers can learn how to target you for that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm not crazy, though. Right there. Like you could buy merch from somebody's Spotify profile. Yeah, I've definitely seen that before. Um, right now I'm on Spotify, so I'm trying to See if I can. Yeah, I'm literally right now. I'm on Defeaters uh, Spotify profile, and I've scrolled all the way down, and 
I'm clicking on a link right now. It is yeah for Merch Bar, just like what bar. I said earlier. Yep. Now you're doing this. You're doing this on your laptop. I am doing this on my laptop. So I asked a couple of people about it. I'm only really familiar with Spotify on a desktop or a laptop, not on my phone. So what I'm seeing on this article is screenshots of the mobile app. So I don't know if this is worthy of a story because it's in the mobile app now or i mean it is available in the like mobile app it's in the mobile app as well okay yeah so i'm confused as i'm confused as to why it's worth worth an article unless you know bigger well i feel like even the bigger bigger artists were doing it beforehand so i guess the answer is i don't know why it's worth a story like apparently variety has been living under a rock so todd spangler who wrote this article i'm Sorry that you didn't know that this was a thing already, but I'm not familiar with Shopify. Maybe they're bigger than I think they are, but... I mean, they're huge. I mean, they are... I mean, their stock right now is worth more than Apple, for example. Oh, all right. From what I'm pretty sure. Hold up. Let me check that. Let's double check. Let me get on to my my uh my stock watching app. Yeah, I mean. Wow. All right. <laughs> it's 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 worth uh, like fourteen grand. I mean, well, congrats to Shopify and Spotify. Uh, when I first saw the headline for the article, I read it as Spotify adds virtual merch tables for music artists in packed with Spotify. <laughs> so I was <laughs> I was even more confused. <laughs> about Spotify making a pact with Spotify, but whatever. Um, I mean, that sounds like an Onion article. Yeah, exactly. Um, Except it would be like um, Facebook making uh, alliance with Facebook. Yeah, so that is what it is. But yeah, it's... It's an interesting time now that we're, you know, definitively in the streaming age and stuff. Um, I don't know. This stuff interests me. I do have a vested interest in it. Uh, Clearly, you do, too. Um, So do you have anything else to add about, you know, streaming services and that kind of thing? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing what what the space has gone from since I first started. Um, I, I mean, there there are now multiple ways of getting your song out there and pitching it to different playlisters and like blogs. Um, I can even share you a, a couple. There are, and I mean, these ones are for money. You do have to, you get credits that you have to pay into. You're not paying for streams. You're just paying to pitch them to these blogs. But there's Submit Hub. That's a great one. There's Grover, G-R-O-O-B-E-R. There's also for, there's a couple free options. There's Daily Playlist. There's also uh, Soundplate. Now, the only ones, the only problems with those is you only get like a daily limit with those ones because they don't want you spamming. But it's amazing to see what the space has come. And there's, there's lots of nuances to it as well. It's not just as simple as sending your shit out and expecting it to be on you have to also do part of the work as well i like it um yeah so i think we've i think we've covered really all we need to cover tonight um if you guys are still here and still listening to us nerd out about this kind of stuff, if you enjoy it, let us know. Um, it's at Packy Run Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I think both of us, both of us, really enjoy this kind of stuff. It's clearly tied into our lives in a pretty intimate way. So, if this is yeah. something that you want to hear us talk about more, we can find some more topics, react to some more articles, and do the whole thing. And uh, if not, we'll just stick in our lane with doing track by tracks and <laughs> talking about the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
True. A little bit of an experimental episode, but hopefully you guys enjoy what we had to say about the whole thing. Um, Anything else you want to cover or should we head into a couple of recommendations and let these fine people... Let's get into our recommendations. Right. Uh, do you have one ready? Yes. Give me one right. second. Um, so I, when I'm not listening to music, I have been trying to get more into audiobooks. Um, you know, trying to expand my mind a little bit. Here you go. Um, one one uh, book I have been listening to lately has been the subtle art of not giving a fuck. <laughs> and it's honest. It's it's a really good book to listen to. Um, it's interesting the dynamics of why do you give a fuck why you probably why is it worth that fuck um (laughs) i can't relate i've got the listeners at home can't see but i'm holding up my basket of fucks right now and it is empty yes um but also by mark manson that's who it's by um but i'm a little bit into it so far um but one thing i've learned so far from what a takeaway i've gotten from it is sometimes it's just better to not try (laughs) i mean sometimes it's yeah that is that is one of the hard life lessons is you know picking your battles yeah and I think it's it's uh, helped me change my perspective a little bit because I think at one point over the past couple of months, I gave too many fucks. Ah, this is where the yoga came from. <laughs> it's this book. No, <laughs> I just I had to I, call back. Callback comedy is one of my favorites. I had I had to go for that one. <laughs> Fair enough. Touche. Yeah, I I remember seeing got? that book on I remember seeing that book on shelves. I definitely if it has your recommendation, I definitely have to check it out now. Um what I got is another TV show. Um was uh, I've been watching it with uh someone I love very dearly who still remains nameless. Um we've been watching American Crime Story on FX. Um the newest season is it all revolves around the impeachment of Bill Clinton and it's all it's basically all told from the perspective of Monica Lewinsky. Um and both of us are too young to truly remember everything that went on. Um, but it's pretty well done. Um, some of the camera work and stuff, I think, is a little bit too intense. Um, but the story itself is told really well. And it's cool. It's cool to see this kind of like dramatized version of everything, even though there was plenty of drama with the whole thing to begin with. I've been kind of like going through the Wikipedia article on all of it as I've been watching. Uh, so going through and reading, like seeing how much uh, the Drudge Report, which is kind of a staple now, uh, but definitely wasn't back then, um, how that played into everything. Um, Yeah, there was just, I mean, there was so much I didn't know. It's still arguably in the public consciousness. So I thought that I had some sort of idea of what had gone on, but this show had kind of gotten me back into, you know, reading up about that stuff and looking into that kind of stuff. And it's funny watching and learning about all that kind of stuff. It's highly entertaining. It's also been kind of informative, weirdly. Um, But of course, I'm the biggest West Wing fan that I know of outside of my cousin, Mike. And it's funny how many things happened during that that parallel some of the things that happened in the West Wing, which I never caught on any of the 400,000 times that I've watched through that series. So it gets, it, it gets two thumbs up from me. 
Um, if you've got FX on Hulu, you can watch it. Uh, if you have cable, you can probably watch it. I'm, I've loved it. I'm about to finish up the last episode probably tomorrow or sometime this week. So, I mean, FX is a quality network, I would say. Definitely. I mean, you got, it's always sunny. You got the league, you have Atlanta. You're missing the big one. What's the big one? Archer, baby. (laughs) Oh yeah. Archer. That's not the big one. I would like, when I think of FX, I think of it's always sunny. Archer is the smartest dumbass comedy I've ever witnessed in my life. Um, And they seem to be a little bit more back on track after this past season. So if you haven't tried Archer, you should probably give it a shot. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but man, I love that show. We got a big one here. Yeah, this is a beefy one. I'm not mad. All right. Um, I think we've exhausted ourselves. Check us out on social media, our Instagram and Twitter, Pack Your Run Pod. And um, I have nothing else to add. I'll talk to you guys later. You will be hearing from us soon. In two weeks. You're, yeah, probably. Let's, we'll just keep the, keep, keep the slope going down. <laughs> Perfect. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.